Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Kyle Floyd. He's the CEO of Vox Royalty. And we do like a royalty story here, as you know. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, how they did this year, what the plans are for next year, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports. There is commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There are training videos on there to help you with your diligence. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you a bit of time. And why don't you join our thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas in each with each other in a nice, safe environment. Kyle, how are you doing, sir? Matt, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having us again. Well, it's good to have you back on. You haven't been on since, what, July? You've been busy, I see. Is life good? Life is good. We've yeah. been very busy. Uh, we've been active in, in kind of the key capacities that, uh, that investors have asked us to be active in. And so yeah. life's been, uh, from that standpoint, life's been really good. Good. And you're still surviving down in Denver? We are, we are surviving. It's just a bit colder now. Right. Okay. Hey, so tell me this. So the, this US election thing, is, is, is it finally over? I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so do we. So do we. Just get on, get on with it. Hey, well, like, um, we caught up in July, but um, and I want to ask you some questions about some of the stuff that you've been up to. been having a look. Pretty exciting times. Um, but before we do, give us a one-minute summary for people new to the story. I'll pick it up from there. Yeah, terrific. Vox Royalty Corp. We're the fastest growing royalty company on the planet. What we do is we look for third party royalties around the world. So we don't actually finance mining companies. We go and we find forgotten royalties, unknown about royalties uh, over very interesting assets. And we accumulate those, buy those and bring those into our portfolio uh, to give our investors the access and exposure to those underlying royalties. Okay, brilliant. Okay. And I'm going to point people to the link below the video here, which is our last discussion where we talk business plan, strategy, people, money, all of that kind of good stuff, which you should watch uh, if you like what you hear today. Okay, so I'm going to start with a little bit of macro, if you don't mind, okay, before we get into some of the mm -hmm. stuff that you've done, okay? There's a lot of new entrants coming into this royalty space. You're all the same, aren't you? Matt, uh, it's a great question. And, and the reality is a lot of royalty companies that are now entering this space are pretty similar and, and competing for the same deals. And when they win those deals, they've, they've paid a premium to do so. The reality from our standpoint, a Vox specific standpoint, is we saw that competition coming. The royalty sector has outperformed really any commodity-based benchmark for such a long and significant amount of time now that we saw that competition entering the market. So we went about creating the competitive advantages we've spoken in terms of the last interview on, where we have intellectual property, really a deal sourcing apparatus that's significant around the world and a technical team that's allowed us to really insulate ourselves from a lot of the competition and, and drive what we call alpha in the royalty space. Okay, so that, that's a, you need to work hard to stand out. You need to be very clear about what your strategy is and you need to be clear about the way that you communicate to people what your strategy is. So the next question is, will all royalty companies survive in this environment? You know, royalty companies have the inherent advantage of typically low GNA structures. And so I, I think survival is a difficult question to answer. I think it's are all royalty companies going to win and are all going to create that that alpha that investors are undoubtedly going to ask of this sector uh, to deliver. And I think there's a lot of royalty companies that aren't going to deliver that. They don't have the capabilities. They've decided that uh, royalties are, are the shiny new space to be in. And I don't think the vast majority of new entrants in the space 
are, are going to be overly successful because they truly don't have competitive advantages. They're not going to generate that alpha in the royalty space. And when they do grow, it's going to be paying top dollar for royalties that most other royalty companies have looked at. So I'm, I'm interested in where this all goes, okay? Because with more entrants, um, bidding wars happen, right? You guys are mm-hmm. bidding against more people and the winner has to pay presumably the the highest uh, highest bid is the winner usually right um and i'm sure some people can get cute about the way that they do things but that's going to be the case so do you think that it's going to be harder to get uh win these royalty bidding wars without overpaying and if so what's the implication uh for that company and if so uh what's the implication further down the line because ultimately you guys there's this talk about, oh, well, they'll just be bought up by one of the big guys. That, that's that's the way to win in this space. Yeah, I, I actually don't agree with the take that the big guys are going to go around acquiring all the little guys. I, I think the big guys look for quality. And I think they've been pretty consistent in that messaging in that if they're going to buy something, they're going to buy something that's quality. Uh, they're going to look for value and where the, they find value is on those underlying royalty assets. Now, if all you've done is grow through winning acquisition uh, through bidding wars. And, and to be frank, the space, the sector and investors have rewarded that to date. Um, I don't know if that goes on in perpetuity, but I think what it, you know, what is going to resonate, what it, what does win in the long term is finding great royalties, technically really understanding those assets and buying those royalties at great value. If you can continue to deliver that over time, I don't care who you are, you're very likely to win. If it simply comes down to winning the processes that are being run by investment bankers around the world, and being the top dollar winner on those assets, I think that's where uh, you know it, it's going to create challenges for those businesses, uh, and at the end of the day, challenges for their investors. Right, because you guys still need to make money. I think that's the underlying fact, which sometimes gets lost in all of this: that people are going for scale rather than profitability. And I know what I like. Um, we better talk about you. So we met in July. How many, I, and you've got a lot of press releases. How many deals have you done since I last spoke to you? Yeah, since we last spoke, it's been a really productive, a little bit more than a quarter. So we've acquired more than 10 royalties now uh, since that point. Uh, those royalties are over 10 million gold equivalent resource ounces. So very significant in, in that respect. We've also added three production stage royalties, both organically and through acquisition. So when we last spoke, we had two production stage royalties, now five production stage royalties. We expect to end 2021 with more than eight production stage royalties. And there's a lot of room, uh, I think, to exceed those numbers. So we have one of the most exciting royalty portfolios, frankly, at an organic level, meaning what's developing without us paying, a, without us paying any more dollars for that growth. That's already, that's already in the portfolio for our investors, let alone the acquisition pace that we're on, which is really unprecedented in the industry. Okay, obviously you haven't overpaid for those then? No, okay. not at all. <laughs> That, that should be the answer, given what, we, what we've just talked about. Um, what I did notice in there, you, obviously your, your base and uh, gold, uh, precious metals, a couple of outliers, vanadium from Bushveld. You got diamonds as well. I mean, wh- why? Yeah, good question, Matt. We have really moder- modeled ourselves after, again, they're the gorilla in the space. You give them full credit for what they've established, and that's Franco Nevada. We've modeled ourselves to, to really emulate a lot of what they did early on, uh, where they were very successful. If you take Franco Nevada, you take Wheaton, you take Royal Gold, I'll stick Sandstorm as, as really kind of the, the dominant major companies in the space. They all have a lot of exposure uh, outside of precious metals. 
And we could get into the exact number and I have those, but I don't want to bore your watchers, but it's a very significant amount outside of precious. They're all precious weighted and so are we, but when we're modeling and looking at the industry and who we want to most emulate, um, what they've done is when they, precious focused, we go out and we're scanning the world globally for precious metal assets. When we find great assets uh, that happen to not be precious metals, but still hard rock fundamental commodity, we're going to buy those royalties at great value. And that's going to mean really fantastic returns for our investors, similar to what those majors have really done for their investors. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel and say, we're only going to do a precious metal royalty because we think that that is what uh, we should be doing. We have the model, we have the blueprint in front of us, and we're just executing on that blueprint. So talk to me about diamonds though, okay? Because outside the two big guys, it seems quite hard to make money. So what did you know walking into that deal? Did it look good on paper or do you know something? Yeah, I mean, we have a very, very good technical team. Anytime we're doing a deal, we have a, we have a technical opinion of that asset, uh, the underlying asset. I'll tell you, there are a lot of the new entrants that don't have a technical team. And you've got to ask those hard, hard questions of, what do you know about this asset that others don't? And so we are truly looking at assets. In this case, frankly, we expect mine life to be significantly extended. It's an in-production asset. Our investors have focused, asked us to focus on in-production assets, near-term production assets, uh, and precious. And then also tangent to that is, is great value. So this kind of hit, really checked all those boxes. And when we believe mine life is going to be significantly ex extended versus um, you know, what might hit you kind of at face value on the asset, those are deals that we just can't pass up. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess we'll wait, wait to see on that one. Same with Vanadium. Vanadium going through a pretty tough time at the moment. You've got a view of what the market's going to do in the future, have you? I mean, hey, this is a great near-term uh, asset that we found you know, from a pretty uh, obscure counterparty. We, you know, at a high level, Bushveld, great operator, great complex of assets, uh, the highest grade in production Vanadium producer. Uh, so this was an opportunity to, to buy an asset that's going to be in their production plan in the near future uh, at great value. And, you know, are we focused on vanadium? Are we focused on battery metals? No, but in our, our worldwide scan for great royalty opportunities, this came up, this is great value, uh, and it's going to yield great results for our investors. Meanwhile, in a dominant precious metals portfolio. Okay, fine. Okay, we we, we know the uh, Bushveld guys very well. Extremely well-run company, uh, Fortune Major Palo, superb CEO. Um, Agreed. Right, you, you've hit upon this uh, earlier, which is okay. How you blend the mix of um, assets that you have, because obviously exploration mm -hmm. nowhere near revenue, development could be near revenue at some point, and then obviously you've talked about moving from two to possibly five by the end of next year in revenue. So, um, how? What, what 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 what's what, what's the kind of um, load that's coming through? I mean, can we say five five by the end of next year? Great, but it's so what? Um, it's not a big number, but how, how do you prepare for uh, increasing the amount of revenue that's coming into your organization? Twenty twenty one's a you know for let's we'll use the hockey metaphor. We're hockey sticking in terms of revenue, uh, and what we're delivering, I believe, is completely unprecedented in terms of what will be revenue growth in 2021 to 2022. That's what it's all about. At the end of the day, you have to deliver those tangible results for your investors. We are continuing to find royalties that are, say, between 24 months and three months out of production and buying those at much better value than our peers. We believe that's a winning strategy, and that's going to create that alpha as a royalty 
uh, as a royalty player in this space. And that is going to lead to very significant shareholder returns for our investors. Give me some dollar numbers there. What's next year look like? So we haven't come out with formal guidance. Let me just caveat that. But we do. We now have three independent analysts covering us, Matt, since we last spoke, which is That's terrific true. and I think speaks to what we're building. Uh, and their forecasts are $2 million U.S. in revs for 2021, going to $6 million in 2022, going to $8 million in 2023. We are firmly and aggressively looking to exceed those numbers and in some cases could be significantly exceed those numbers, uh, both from an organic standpoint and the acquisitions that we're evaluating that are in the pipeline. Good news for uh, dividends, I, I hope. Um, is it? You know, Matt, that's a really good question. And, and I know all the royalty companies get asked about dividends. The Our standpoint is this, we are a small cap business right now. We are growing. We have highly creative opportunities in front of us and every dollar that we can essentially reinvest into growing this royalty portfolio is going to win more for our investors than, than paying a dividend at this stage. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to the question of, do we become a meaningful dividend payer with those outsized returns that we expect to generate for our investors, or do you sell? Uh, but that's not a, you know, the, um, the reality is that's a question that we're going to be answering a little bit down the road. But right now it's about growth and growth at great value. And no one's delivering that more of the box. Okay. And so obviously since we spoke, share price come from 290 down to 245. What's that a factor of and what do you do about it? Another really good question, Matt. And, and I'm glad you brought it up. The reality was there are a couple things. Uh, and I'll be very candid in, in terms of addressing kind of what happened with the share price. You can kind of mark the day four months after uh, the offering, there was four month hold paper that we had used to acquire royalty assets. And so one of the things we're doing is we're using probably less shares and more cash to acquire royalties to, to prevent that. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, frankly, as a private company operating the space for as long as we had, uh, you know, our investor awareness and, and marketing initiatives and that apparatus underneath us in terms of getting the word out and getting exposure uh, to investors and having them understand the box story, uh, frankly, need to be improved a little bit. And we've worked really hard on that. And so I think, you know, let's call it the the, the weak hands or, or weak paper is, is now out of the stock. And we've really bolstered our investor awareness and marketing initiatives that uh, you're starting to see that traction really kind of take hold. So uh, we're a great, I believe we're a great buy right now. I'm surprised that we've traded down. We're a significant discount to our peers, very, very significant discount. But I think that is going to um, uh, to change here over the coming weeks, months, and quarters. Your next finance guy, you must have seen that coming. The old four-month hold trick, they got you. You know, we use... A little bit. Uh, we used uh, our currency going public to acquire great royalties, and and you know goes hand in hand. We we bought great royalties. We've had probably a little bit more selling pressure historically than what we expected, uh, but I think we fixed it, and we've we've really invested a lot in terms of resources and attention to it to fix that. You've seen it. We've kind of bought them now, and I think we're on that uh, that long trek north. That's going to be really rewarding for shareholders. Okay, looking forward to that. Any streaming coming up? any streaming coming up for us? Hmm. Uh, unlikely, unlikely. Uh, I won't rule it out. We're, you know, the majors have gone that route where that's where they've found a lot of growth. I don't think we're there yet. And it's almost because we don't have to be. 
That's interesting, interesting, because you want to emulate the, the the seniors in some ways in terms of the blended portfolio approach. Great, but the streaming thing is what is it, it's a timing thing, or are you saying that it has worked for them, but it may not work going forward for them or you? I mean, what do you what do you mean by no, not just yet? We've really built our business around finding third party royalties. So it's not it's royalties not held by the operator. If you take say the recent acquisition of the Brits royalty over Bushveld, I. Bushveld isn't going to put a new royalty over their assets. They are far, you know, very, very bullish on what they're accomplishing and they should be. They're not going to go create a, a royalty over those assets. So when we're buying third party royalties, essentially what we're able to do is find royalties over projects that we have a stronger technical bias towards that probably would never seek a royalty as a financing mechanism. And so it, in our, from our standpoint, we believe we're getting better assets uh, and, and with, that, with less risk. And that's what it really comes down to. Okay. So that doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't see a stream that we choose to execute on because we have such a strong technical belief and understanding uh, and viewpoint on that asset that a stream could make sense. Okay, fine. So what do you think your shares need to be back up at and what, how much revenue do you think you need to have generated before you go and raise more money in the marketplace? And what type of money do you think you'll be able to raise at that point? What's it going to cost you? Really good question. Uh, you know, where we stand right now, we're not interested in raising capital. Uh, and, but really, the, the question comes down to this. What are we raising capital for? And it, it's going to, when it's time to raise capital, it'll be because there's a highly accretive, great opportunity that's going to add significant value for our investors. And that is when we will raise capital. We're not going to raise capital for the sake of raising capital. Um, it's It really boils down to when do we have the right acquisition? There there will be capital there for us when we, when we want to raise it. Uh, but it's all going to be around the right accretive transaction uh, that's really going to build value for our shareholders. Okay. Mark's out of 10 for yourself for 2020. You know, I would give us a seven. I'd give us a seven. It, you know, share price being down is is frustrating, but I think we've turned the corner on that. At a fundamental level, we executed and, and, and executed ahead of plan. 2021, I think, is is the year that when you ask me that question, I think it's going to be an 11 out of 10. <laughs> Love that. Uh, great movie, by the way. Um, maybe you're too young. Do you, do you know the movie I'm talking about? I don't think Turn so. Turn the volume up to 11. <laughs> okay. Uh, there'll be people watching this who know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, like, um, Kyle, thanks so much. Great update. Wanted to catch up with you before the end of the year. You know, hear your plans because I was impressed last time. I want to see what you do next year. Um, it could be a good year for you guys. Well done. Yeah, I appreciate that. Our investors have a lot to look forward to in 2021. And uh, Matt, always appreciate you having us on the program. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.